You're listening to the Screeners Podcast Network. Welcome back to the Next Trek Podcast. Every week we break down the latest episode of Star Trek Discovery and give our thoughts on the final frontier. My name is Tyler. And I'm Kate. And this week we're going to talk about the latest short trek, The Escape Artist. But before we do that, we kind of want to just get ourselves caught up. It's It's been a little while for me. I missed our last episode. Um, just talking about Star Trek news and uh, just generally what we have been doing uh, in the, the geek world recently. So um, I guess let's start with that. Kate, what have you been doing geek-wise lately? What have you been consuming geek media-wise? I am really excited to talk about the TV show Counterpart. Oh, I know. Um, I need to watch it. Yes, you do. Uh, it airs on Stars, and the current season is actually uh, airing right now. But for those of you who don't have Stars, don't worry. Season one is out on DVD now, so you can get started with the show that way. It is a fantastic show for sci-fi fans. Nice. Um, just to give you a, a brief idea of what it's about, um, about 30 years ago, scientists in Berlin accidentally cloned reality. And so now there's a parallel reality with duplicates of everybody in our reality. I hate it and, when I do that, when you accidentally clone yeah, reality like that. Whoopsie, Ugh. whoopsie. It's a mess up. Um, and so we have um, a cold war going on between the two realities. Um, and the world at large doesn't know about it. So it's a super secret thing. And it's a spy thriller uh, the whole way through. J.K. Simmons is the lead. He is absolutely oh, fantastic. Oh, we love J.K. Simmons. And if you like shows where you have um, a character, the same actor playing different versions of themselves, like Orphan Black or this happens Fringe. in Fringe as well. Yes, this is a show full of that. Um, J.K. Simmons in his lead role um, on in our universe, he has no idea that there is another universe. He's just this... Uh, you know, guy who works, you know, a nine to five job, you know, at the ministry has no idea. And then one day his double shows up and he's like, you're in trouble. I'm here to help you. And it's oh, like, cool. holy cow, what's going on here? So fantastic show. Highly recommended. Nice. Nice. I, yeah, I, I have been seeing it for a while or seeing it out for a while and just haven't gotten around to it because it's streaming on stars and that's not always the easiest way. Mm -hmm. uh, is that because it's not yeah, as mainstream of a, of a place to go. But yeah, but I might check it out. That sounds great. It also has Harry Lloyd and Olivia Williams, Ooh. if you like them. Oh. Yeah, we do like them. Yeah. yeah. I've been wondering what she's been up to. It's been, what was her, oh, she was Dollhouse, wasn't she in Dollhouse? Yes. Among That's probably things, the last yes. lead she had that I know of, at least. But yeah, yeah as for me, uh, I spent my, my Christmas break, uh, so I'm a teacher, so I've had a few weeks off, which is great, uh, and I spent my Christmas break rewatching a ton of stuff. So um, I rewatched uh, nearly all the Doctor Who Christmas specials, just because I can't help it. It's time. Um, the Christmas Invasion is just, it's how I watched I get... the Christmas Invasion too for Did Christmas. Did you? Oh, yes. It's, I think it's a, an amazing episode and it's, it's cause I'm partial to David Tennant. Um, so I did, did that rewatch. I'm nearly done, uh, with Star Trek, the original series season three. Um, we're doing, so I guess we kind of tease for what's coming up next for us. Um, as part of our season two relaunch, kind of syncing up with Discovery season two relaunch, we are, um, the, the three of us, Chris is back next week and we are going to have kind of a, I guess, an introduction to Spock because Spock is coming to Discovery and we're going to talk about our favorites. We haven't really decided on all of our criteria yet, but favorite, best, essential, something like that, Spock episodes. And um, because I can't control myself, instead of 
making a list and just watching those episodes, I just rewatched all 70 or am, am rewatching all 79 episodes of the original series. So we appreciate you covering the bases for us. You know, I just I do what I can. I take one for the team when I can. So I, Much I take appreciated. 79 for the team. Um, and even more, I'm hoping. Uh, so, again, if I am staying on the course, I should finish tonight and uh then maybe watch um it's friday night so so of course i'm watching star trek and uh maybe we'll watch uh, some of the the animated series or something like that so so that's what i'm doing just some slight slightly geeky things just oh and slightly. the orville's back the orville's yes. back. have you watched the, the orville i have watch seen it, right? the first half of season one okay. and i need to finish it and catch up nice it's uh i i really i really like it um season two has had a little bit of a rocky start, I think. Mm. Um, not bad, just not. Maybe it's just not what we expected. So, and and those of you who who are curious or who have watched it, I've I've written two reviews and they're up on Ready Steady Cut, the website that I write for. Um, and uh, I have some I have some thoughts. So, although this one is a very, a very Star Trek concept, but not handled in a Star Trek way. Oh, that's, I guess all I'll say that's that's episode two. Um, which is called Primal Urges. So yeah, <laughs> That's quite the tease. Oh, it is. It is. If we don't have anything else, let's move ourselves over to The Escape Artist, which is the fourth and final of the uh, the short treks. So uh, in this one, it's, it's pretty short and sweet. Like we've said before, these aren't complex episodes. Uh, essentially what happens is Harry Mudd has been once again captured, this time by a Tellarite captain, and he's trying to talk his way out of it and sort of we get lots of flashbacks to other times where he has uh, talked himself out of out of or tried to talk himself out of uh, um, um, similar predicaments. Um, and then we get a nice little twist at the end, which I'm sure we'll talk about in uh, in just a little bit. So, um, yeah, just in general, what what thoughts did you have about it? So this was the comedy of the shorts oh, entirely. And it's um, so good. It's essentially a perfectly executed gag with, I would argue, two twists at the end. Um, oh, I can see that. Yep, that's true. Two twists. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think um, I think if we had an entire episode, like normal length episode of this with Harry Mudd, I think it would be too much. But this was yeah. about the right it's speed perfect. for what they did. Yeah, yes. yeah. How did it strike you as an original series um, fan and... I don't have a very strong linkage to the original Harry Mudd, so I was taking uh, the Discovery version pretty much at face value without that connection. So what is it for yeah. you? Well, uh, like I said, I, I am almost through watching the entire thing. So I, I've seen both of the – I've seen um, the two live-action Harry Mudd episodes. I haven't yet watched the animated um, Harry Mudd one yet, um, which is bad, by the way. Um, it's, uh, it's Harry Mudd with tribbles. It just doesn't work. Um, that sounds like the setup of a great joke, though. <laughs> yeah, it should. It really should. But it's 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 bad. Um, I'm gonna go out on a limb now, especially because now Rain Wilson has played Harry Mudd more than Roger C. Carmel, the mm. original the original guy. Um, I'm gonna say I like Harry, uh, Rain Wilson's. I think I just said Harry Mudd plays Harry Mudd more than him. Let's say that differently. Rain Wilson has now played Harry Mudd more times than Roger C. Carmel, our original Harry Mudd. Um, and I think I like Rain Wilson's Harry Mud better. Oh, fascinating! Which is great yeah. because if you know the twist of the episode, him playing right? him playing him is very appropriate. It's perfect. It really is. Um, so, so this struck me. Like I said, I think I like Rain Wilson's portrayal better. This struck me exactly like you said. This is 
perfectly timed. It, it is pitch perfect. It never tries to get too serious with himself. It doesn't try to get too dark. Um, mm. And it's funny all the way through. He's he's cracking jokes. He's figuring out, uh, you know, what line to use to convince this Tellarite captain, you know, to let him go, who will have none of it, by the way. Mm. The, the, the Tellarite captain, I, and I didn't look up who played him, um, but he was fantastic. I, you know, you think that Harry is sucking him into his, his plot for a second. And then he goes, ha, has that line ever worked on anybody? Yeah. And it's perfect. And then, and then we flash back to, no, that line hasn't worked on anybody yet. It's, it's, it's a great episode that is, um, that is so well structured. And, um, we should say directed by Rain Wilson. Um, he didn't write it. That's, um, Michael McMahon, I think is the name of the the director. McMahon. Um, and, uh, but but Rain Wilson directed it and does such a good job of also making it rewatchable. Um, it's uh, the second time. It, it's that's the best kind of um, of episode with a twist, right? Like you watch The Sixth Sense, which for those two people in the world who don't know the ending to the, to the Sixth Sense, we won't spoil it for you. But there is a twist ending, and you have to when you rewatch it, you actually have to rewatch it. Mm-hmm. And as you rewatch it, you're going, "Oh my gosh." This is how it was, you know, the entire time. I can't believe that I didn't see it because there there are signs almost even the entire time. Same thing here. So well structured that upon rewatch, I think it's it's even better. So, yeah, that's that's our I guess our overall. I mean, people we we need to dig deeper, I think. But but in short, do people catch this one? Should people watch this one or do they skip it? So this is one of, I think we're going to echo what we've said for the other shorts. Uh, if you're not already subscribing to CBS All Access, yeah. you shouldn't subscribe <laughs> just for the shorts. But, but um, maybe this one. <laughs> or get your free week so you can watch this one. Or, <sighs> you know, when you when you start subscribing for season two, definitely come back for these. It's it, they're, yeah. they're, they're worth it and they're going to be fantastic DVD extras when we get to that point. Um, I would say... This one still wasn't my favorite one. I think I said last time that the Saru one was, and that held true. But this was easily the most fun. Um, it's I, I would compl- I would really agree. This is this is the most fun by far. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think also like you know, as the credits are ending, that something is going to happen in this Come episode on. because right? just that that swerve in the music, you're like, oh, something's happening here, and it just doesn't let up the whole way through. Right. Um, I think. Um, it's also, so Saru, we had an origin story, um, for Calypso, even though we didn't have characters who are part of the main show, so far as we know, there was a really interesting, you know, deep character study going on. This is like a character study that sort of just happens along the way of laughing your way through the gags and the jokes and the silliness. Um, although when I use the word silliness, I don't want to make this episode seem like it's, you know, pure fluff because it's not like it, it hits the notes perfectly well for both yeah. the comedy uh, and the character in it. This isn't the original series. This isn't I Mud from season two of the original series, which right. is very silly. Like it, it's, it's, it, I like, I like, really like the ending and how they wrap up I Mud. It's, it's actually really subtly brilliant, but most of that episode is just silly. Um, and, and there's and I an iMud callback in this episode there is. too. Yes. Yeah, we'll get to oh. that. Oh, it's so good. I and I thought I saw it the first time, and I made a note to watch for it the second time, and, and it absolutely is is there. Um, just as a note, as we're talking kind of about our favorite ones, um, and I, like I said, I wasn't here for for to talk about Brightest Star, um, and I really did like it. By the way, I think it was very good. Um, it was it was the only 
I don't even know if this is a criticism. It is what I expected of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, we knew it was a Saru origin story, and it was that. And okay, you know, um, yeah. I didn't love it actually. I, I don't. I didn't hate it in any way. It just was like, oh, okay, that's fine. Um, but I, I did a. We put up a Twitter poll um, the other day, and we we've um, we've gotten quite a few votes on that. And right now, it's really funny. So there's four uh, four short tracks, um, and I, I put them up and just said, "What's your favorite? What's your favorite short track?" Um, Runaway, the first one, has gotten zero votes. Oh, wow. um, it is none. Ouch. Nobody says that's the favorite. Yeah, and, and and the other three are all nearly tied. They're they're all all mm. about thirty percent. Um, so so Calypso is thirty six percent. Um, the brightest star is twenty seven. Escape Artist is thirty seven percent. So we are we are one percent difference between Calypso and Escape Artist. So I, I think that does does pretty well. Um. That echoes sort of the sentiment I expected, mm-hmm. um, but um, but also not saying the brightest star was bad. It just is. It's probably just you know two votes behind the others. So uh, um, I think that that works really well. So absolutely. Um, so well, let's go ahead. Let's let's do a deeper dive. What, what um, let's go into some of those details. What what stands out? What was what was excellent? We've talked in broad strokes, but well, let's go detailed. As the person who keeps on making Star Wars references on this podcast, I have mm-hmm. to do it again. Sorry, it's there. Um, at the beginning, whenever the deal is being made to sell mud to the Tellarite, um, the, the, uh, the Thank you so much. Says, I know what you're about to say, and yes. I can't believe I... Oh, good. All right, go for it. Say it. So, Bouch the Bounty Hunter oh, from Return of the Jedi that, that Leia plays, like, he sounded just like him. I'm like, 100%. intentional? And I'm sure it was because Rain Wilson is such a geek. Yeah. But that was, you know, a moment like, okay, I'm making a Star Wars comment this time. So yes. that was a fun way to start. And and with a twist on that reveal later on, the twist that it it's actually Harry Mudd, you know, so instead of it being a woman when he pulls his his, his mask off, it's Harry Mudd, you yes. know, oh, it's, it's, it both, it both um, twists our expectations, you know, and sort of weirdly fulfills them. It's, it's. It's awesome. perfect. Brilliant. That's what I'm counting as the second twist to this episode. Yes. For those of you who are wondering, that's that's totally <coughs> it was hilarious mm. and brilliantly executed. It was just like the cherry on top after you thought the yes. episode had, you know, played oh. itself out. So it yes. Was... That was excellent. Um there was some f- we talked about a little bit the pushback from the Tellerite on the humor, but then you have fit, you know, jokes like, you know, what are we gonna murder now? Accuracy. Like yeah. there were just little things <laughs> like that that were so quotable. <gasps> It were I, I honestly was um, so sure that Rain Wilson had written it too, just because his voice is so clear in it, his own yeah. comedic voice as well as as um, as his you know mud voice that he's that he's been creating. Mm-hmm. Uh, but so so either he touched it up sort of on the fly or or um, the writer. And again, I'm sorry, you you looked up his name is Michael McMahon. Um, McMahon. McMahon. So I have a friend with McMahon. Um, anyway, uh, and he. Either you know, or he just knew, you know, he is—he's really seen um, Rain Wilson's voice in the series and just and really took it on. So well, let's like um, pause there for just a second because uh, Mike McMahon was announced in October that he was going to be—he's being tapped for the new Lower Decks show, um, oh, which is seriously? supposed to be I funny, I guess. The humor show. Oh, it's a comedy. Yeah, right. It's, it, so like this is like where we had Michael Shabon do Calypso as our preview oh, for the Picard show. As the our way Picard this writer. Was, Right, this is kind of our preview for Lower Decks. Um, and I think he also writes for Rick and Morty, I so if you like it. Rick and Morty, there's that connection too. That makes sense. Yeah. Okay, no, that's awesome. I'm super I'm I'm really Okay, honestly, that let's let's pause on that for a second. I <laughs> I really I've been 
not uh, skeptical isn't even the word, but like with with the new animated show, I've been like, okay, fine, fine. You know, they're making an animated show, whatever. I don't care. Um, you know, and, and we've had good examples of spinoff animated shows. Star Wars: The Clone Wars is a good show. Yeah. Um, it's not it's not a slapstick show. It's got its moments with the battle droids and stuff, but mm-hmm. um, but it, but it actually is a, a pretty serious show. Um, Rebels, I only saw a couple episodes of, but I heard it was decent. Um, I don't know what's the new one that that just came out. That is, I don't remember. Yeah, I think that's in between um, Return of the Jedi and Force Awakens. I think, um, but uh, yeah. So, so I was, I, I wasn't like mad about it. Some people are. My brother and I were talking over Christmas. He's like, you know, really soon we're gonna have a terrible Star Trek show. Are you ready for that? Oh, um, those you are know, he's like, words. Yeah, well, and he's and he's not a truly he's not a fan, and and I what we've seen, I think everybody is very respectful. They're they're pretty mm. respectful of the canon, um, but but it, it did make me think, you know, as we within a few weeks got like three announcements of yeah. Star Trek shows, you know, um, and so it, Picard obviously, you know, is that's the that's the big one, and unfortunately for Discovery, that's going to be the new flagship show. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sorry, it just it just is, and because um, you can't bring Sir Patrick Stewart back and and not and just he's the he's the other show. He is the captain um, we're looking for. <laughs> he is, he is, and and I'm hoping, frankly, that Anson Mount is as mm-hmm. Pike and and or Barnum becomes that and things like that. Yeah. So I, I think that we'll get there. I, I it, this is in no way a slight to Discovery, but then then we get. Um, a, a lower decks show. Okay, great. That's fine. I'm sorry, lower deck singular. Um, that's fine. Good job. Good for you. It'll be funny. Animated is a good cheap way of doing it. Great. Um, and then we get a Giorgio spinoff, which or which is sort of semi been announced. We I don't hope, think it's real. We hope. we hope because come on, a Star Trek spy show is going to be great. Um, that's that sounds fantastic, especially with such a great character that she created. Yes. Um, but you know what's what's next? You know how many are we going to get more spinoffs of Discovery, or are we going to get some new stuff? Are we going to get you know um, uh, pushing forward, or you know any, anyway, origins of the Federation? You know we could if we want to go back. Let's actually go back and not do a little niche. Um, but anyway, I could get, be on this rant for a long time. <laughs> that being said, what you just what you just did for me is is reassure me that Lower Deck isn't just an oh okay fine they're making that show I don't care. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, he he wrote a pitch perfect script, yeah. Um, and and yeah, that reassures me a lot. Yeah, and um, I mean, we're filling out the Star Trek universe not just in stories but in mm-hmm. genres of storytelling. You know exactly. And I think that's a big thing. And there's a comment that Mud makes in this episode, um, or, or a line of of um Skreel where he's talking about the federation resistance and everything i wanted to bring that up good yeah 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 and that is like yet another area that it's just you know a throwaway part of him trying to convince the tellerite to let him go but that's something that i think we all as fans really want to see more of yeah. that because as you found out as we found out with deep space nine the whole push how far can you go with the anti-war stance and everything else like you know, there, there's story there to be told about um, what the Federation, the downsides of the Federation, what, yeah. what compromises must exist, etc. And so for and, Harry Mudd to see existence. himself as a hero of, of a, you know, right. who knows if the resistance really exists or not. But it's just, it, it works on multiple levels. I completely agree. Well, and, and the existence, and again, with Deep Space Nine, um, the creation of Section 31 in yeah. that series 
opened up so many doors because they are the ones that no one wants to talk about. You know, they're they're mm-hmm. blacker than the CIA, you know, or the NSA right. and things like that. They are the guys who there is no oversight. There is no nothing. They are dark as dark. Um, and, and we're seeing we only got hints of it in this one. And if they're recruiting people like the Empress of, you know, or Empress yeah. Giorgio of the Mirror Universe, I mean, they have no scruples. Mm-hmm. Right. And so um, I'm super excited to, to see not only what they do in Discovery, but then but then how they spin it off. And I'm wondering if we do get an actual spinoff, like a like a backdoor pilot yeah. um, episode. Um, we did find out that they upped, I don't know if I've said this already, they've upped season two to 14 episodes. Mm. Um, one of them seems like a two-parter. Um, okay. Like the, the final episode will be a two-parter. So they said it's, I think it's technically still 13, but it's two of them are, are counted as, as one. So, um, or one of them are counted for two, I guess. But um, I, I'm, yeah, I'm, ex- I'm excited to see that. And if that's the tack that they take um, with it, then, then we've got a lot of good stuff to do. You know, yeah. we've got we've got lots of genres to explore. We've got comedy. We've got spy. We've got traditional. You know, I wonder truly is is um, is Picard going to be uh, is Picard going to be the next generation again? Are they going to try to recapture that, or is he going to be not in Starfleet anymore, or is he an ambassador, or or is it going to be pr- the president? What, is or... it, yeah, is it gonna, is it going to be the West Wing version of Star Trek? Oh, if it is, I think we <laughs> didn't we say that a few weeks ago, yeah. and I, like that got my mind just going. Like, that's what in my head, that's what it is. It is the West Wing version of Star Trek, and I hope I don't disappoint myself. So, um, and um, I hope dear that listeners, they recruit... you can find Tyler on the um, <laughs> fan fiction part of the internet writing West Wing Patrick Stewart oh, fan fiction. Golly. Uh, that actually already exists in a, in a book uh, by a friend of the does. podcast, Keith Keith DeCandido, who we interviewed right, back right. for season one, called Articles of the Federation. Fantastic book, by the way. And he actually puts a ton of West Wing Easter eggs Aww. in that book. So anyway, Excellent. great stuff. If that happens, Keith, we're having you on. Yes. All right, so uh, let's let's come back. Well, actually, let's, let's bring up what you mentioned um, with Mud's Resistance because I think it's so – that's the question I had for you actually was, is it – do you think that resistance is real? Because this is not the first time he's mentioned that. Um, and, and not specifically a resistance before, but when we, f- I think it was when we first met him, uh, maybe it was in his second magic to make the sanest man go mad. Um, but he mentions, you know, Oh, we're this little guy and the Federation keeps squashing us. Basically, if we don't join Starfleet, if we aren't, you know, um, supporters of the Federation, we're, you know, um, we're just kicked off to the side or mm. beaten up. Does he mean to so a, do you think the resistance is real or do you think he just means because I'm a criminal, uh, they don't accept my lifestyle. And, and so, you know, boo federation. What, what do you think I guess is going on with that? He used the word hegemony and I thought that was he a did. really great. He, he said, um, the federation will not stop and will be and, until they become a total hegemonic supremacy. Yeah. And I think that's kind of important because, um, Regardless of whether Mud has anything to do with any resistance that may or may not exist at all, uh, like I see him playing both sides against the middle if there is of one. Of course, yes. Um, but honestly, especially where we are in the timeline, it wouldn't surprise me if there is, because there is no unified... I mean, the Federation is there, but it's not like, you know, all of known space bows to Federation and right. everything else is just outside. And, and we're even, not the utopia of next generation yet. Right, right, exactly. And so even when good things come from um, a presence like that, there is 
there are always those who are trampled by it, those who lose out in some fashion, etc. And whether the resistance is meaningful on any level, that's a question mark. But I think there's always resistance where there is a body like that trying to take over and tell everyone how they should live. Right. Oh, I completely agree. And and some people are going to go right along with it and some people are going to just try to do their own thing, yes. which is interesting. And, and again, that's a whole – we could have that whole different conversation um, – and we had a similar one. Those of you who want to listen back to our Daniel Abraham interview episode, we, we talked about the the utopic version of, of expanding into space or just recognizing that man is, you know, this this dark creature sometimes and, and well, not sometimes, but a lot of the time. And um, yeah, we bring both is, our best and our worst qualities into the future. Right. And, and we have to and figuring out how to overcome those things is the human condition. And, and Star Trek kind of. It did for next generation Star Trek and even the original series a bit skipped it skipped that overcoming right. it yeah, we were at already times there. we're already there and and whereas the expanse um is, gets its hands dirty and and discovery gets its hands dirty at times so um, I'm excited to see how they continue to tackle that in this in this season um anything anything else what, what else do you want to notice or did you notice about the the short so um to make my next comments we should just say that the the first of the twists is that yes. uh the hairy mud that we're uh, watching is in fact an android um yes. not the actual hairy mud and this tellerite is just uh one of many bounty hunters that has been duped by this bounty um, yeah in and fact the 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 ensign i think he is or whoever the crew member aboard the demilo who they uh, the tellerite brings him to actually rolls his eyes when mud shows up he says oh how can i help you oh and he rolls his eyes and you think even at first oh it's you mud you know finally you know we got you or whatever right. but no it's like i can't i've had like how many of it he's like i we've had a dozen this week of the muds coming in yeah it's great yeah so that i think was kind of pivotal and for multiple reasons uh one of which we know what the federation did with mud or at least we have the implication of what they did with him after his interaction uh on this first season of discovery right uh, with the crew he is a bounty on his head but there's something particularly delicious about a guy who's got a bounty on his head then selling himself literally for money again to and make again money. and again <laughs> like oh. There's kind of a brilliance in, in making a profit out of being wanted. It's so great. And from what we know about Mud, he will he will find any way. He, he rivals Quark almost in finding any way to make a profit he can. And Quark hasn't ever sold himself. So I, I think it's Yeah, great. the Ferengi have a step further to go, I guess. Yeah. 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 They won't. They haven't debased themselves that, that far <laughs> yet, I suppose. Uh, and, and that brings me at least, um, and, and there was a few that I saw, but that, that brings me to the first big connection to the original series, iMud, um, and just the fact that he has androids. Mm-hmm. Um, iMud, uh, so iMud, um, he actually, once again, lures people. He lures the, uh, the Enterprise using a nomad android, not nomads, um, Norman, Norman android, um, to, uh, to bring the Enterprise to his planet so that he can... Um, lure everybody down to the planet and fly off, you know, into the sunset on his own with his own enterprise. Um, he's he's doing that here, uh, but with recreating himself. So I I loved that that connection. And apparently, one of the uh, mud androids in yes. was wearing the outfit of yes. from the original series. And, and so that was the thing I had to go back and rewatch. Um, 
I thought, oh, it's just a blue a blue tunic. He is wearing it right down to, he has a weird sash around his waist. He's got these Sergeant Peppery, you know, uh, shoulder, whatever those shoulder boards with fringe on them. I mean, it is, mm-hmm. it's great. It, it, I loved it. While you were talking about iMud, um, something really funny just occurred to me. Yes. <laughs> I feel like with, um, if you if you take the title I mud and instead of having it as two separate words, you make the I lowercase and oh. you put it in front of mud. Like he anticipated the iPod or the right? iPod. Oh. The show did by Absolutely. decades and that's just hilarious. It's an <laughs> the joke that's great. <laughs> well, and I and I even you know what honestly just now connected the fact that that title is actually probably a reference to Asimov's I Robot. Probably uh, didn't yes. didn't ever think about that until just now. Um, yeah. So, great, which great even is a better layer because in this episode, Mud is the robot, and in the first, he's not. Anyway, wow, that just my brain just deep. went down a whole little thing. Uh, let's see what else. Um, yeah, those are my two big references. Uh, you know, big foreshadowings, sort of weird foreshadowings, re- references to I Mud. Um, we reference back to magic to make the sanest man go mad when the Tellerite is reading off his list of of crimes. And um, some the of them were whale, funny, like the whale. the whale penetrating a space whale. So <laughs> you have bad. to be there. <laughs> so great. Um, and, and, oh, and having, um, Mud had had an affair with a Tellarite sister and he describes like the scruff of her beard hair, like tickling his neck. It's, it's just, I loved that. I laughed out loud so many times during this short. It was great. Um, the um, the helmet from his previous episode was yes. also on, in uh, there. on the bridge of his ship. The Mona Lisa was yep. there, or I assume yes. some coffee. I think I saw it. that, yeah. Those were the two oh. I noticed. I don't know if you noticed anything else that were significant no. connections. And actually, I thought I, I meant to do this um, after that watch is just watch that scene or even almost freeze frame through that scene, but I, I didn't. Um, I, I did notice the the, uh, the mask, which looks like it's an Andorian mask because mm. it's got two antennae, but... Um, uh, and then the fact that his own clone is making uh, making drinks for him, and um, I, I just, yeah, I, I just laughed so much during this episode, and loved loved the subtle references. Um, you didn't even need to know that the the mask was there, you know, bef- before it just was a nice touch that they um, that they did that. Yeah, they they went all out with with all the fine little touches, which it's a lot to pack into a small episode. It really is, it was, and it felt very much like Magic to Make the Sanest Man Go Mad. This was a, a fast-paced episode, lots of flashbacks, um, lots of weird, not even just plot twists, but just twisty elements to it, Of uh, even camera moves, and even, even again, just the fact that they are flipping back and forth between um, between flashbacks. Uh, and, and even the first time, the first time he flashbacks, it's awkward, and and, cause, and you're like... It's almost the camera almost gets misty, like mm. like it's doing some '60s flashback or something like that. But it, but in fact, I I think now it's the the android, you know, accessing his memories and you know for the first time and and realizing that, or it, and it, and it it feels weird. So it just everything about it was was stellar. It, this is my I think my favorite of the uh, of the four short tricks. Yeah, um, I do want to give a shout out for the sets. They did a great job with the oh, sets. Oh yeah, totally. Like it didn't just feel like. And here's some extra, you know, extras from the Discovery set. Nobody's filming in the mess hall today. Let's just do our whole episode in here. Yeah. 
I feel like we keep on making veiled references to Florence and Tilly's episode first short trek. I know. Well, even but even Calypso was like That's half true. in the mess hall. Yeah. But you're right. Poor Ensign Tilly's episode, and and through no fault of of Mary Wiseman, we keep bashing her episode. It, it is through no fault of her own. I think she did a good job in it. It, it just, I I'm so happy that we were right when when we were talking about it and just said, oh, I'm so happy that this this is not what we have in store for the other the other short tracks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So all, all three have been worth it. All three others have been worth it. So I'm going to be a little bit of a grumpus here and push no, back a little bit on not your enthusiasm. Ugh. So I did very much enjoy this episode. I then watched it a second time because I wanted to see what I missed the first time, etc. And I started tuning out a little bit more the more I saw it. And so it's. Ugh. I feel like there's just a limited number of times I can watch and mine yeah. this one. And then I'm like, okay. I'm I'm good. So it was it was perfect and sweet. And part of what makes it so perfect is it's also, and we're done. <laughs> it's bite sized too. Yes, yeah, you're yes. not spending fifty minutes with it. Yeah, right. Well, and it, so it, that's why I can't make it my favorite episode. Sure. Um, because for me, the repeat washings on it, I, it doesn't go as far. I think for me. Yeah. But I also don't have quite this. I like the character and I love what Rain Wilson's doing with him, but I don't have quite the depth of love that you do for the character. So. It Which surprises me. I, I don't care about Mud, the original series. I really don't. And so it's it's something. Maybe it's because I also, you know, I, I am a huge the you know a fan of The Office, and and I love Dwight. So maybe it's just some even just blind love in that way. But but Magic to Make the Sanest Man Go Mad was I still think is my favorite episode. Not the it's not the best episode. I just think it's my mm. favorite episode mm. of Discovery. Um, because it's funny. It's weird. It, it's stylistically different than everything else. I like good time travel episodes too. So I wonder, I wonder if it's just a little bit of that seeping in even. Yeah. Um, and even objectively, it might not be, this might not be the best of the, f- of the four. I, it, probably Calypso is the, is the best of the four in my yeah. mind, but. Um, I'd have to and, agree. And, I think the Calypso is the best and Brightest Star is my favorite. Uh, yeah. And, and again, not out of any problem with Brightest Star. I don't think there's a problem in that episode yeah. other than it didn't do anything I didn't expect. Um but well, and it also had more the most of the the episodes connections to what is true. likely going to be happening for the next season, and so there was a true. level of completeness that really couldn't be there. Chris and I discussed that a little bit in the yeah. last uh, podcast about it, and so, but for, for me, like it gave me something I really wanted, so it was very satisfying to me, even if it wasn't the yeah. most like objectively perfect um, from an external view of the episode. For sure. So yeah, totally. Well, and in that same vein, I, I I like that they didn't pigeonhole themselves for these episodes. Yes. You know, they, they didn't say everyone has to be a prequel or everyone has to be a sequel or, or anything. It's just I, I, I do expect and I hope I do actually hope that they do more of these after the season's done and, and then just say um, to, to whatever writers almost even they could they could open it up to fans almost who, who yeah. have, have shown that they can do some good stuff mm-hmm. um, like those Axonar guys you know who, who have done the, <laughs> the fan films you know and just say it, it's in the Star Trek uh, Discovery universe yeah. go yeah. you know you can't you can't mess with canon you can't kill off a character things like that they, almost like they did with the old um, Strange New Worlds um, uh, short fiction contest that they did in the I think the early 2000s yeah. for Star Trek which I, I wish I had been older I would have loved to write for it but mm-hmm. um they, but they did that, and there's a whole list of rules. You can't, you just, you cannot affect canon. You can't kill off a main character. You can't have, you know, dirty sex and stuff like that. Um, right. Go, you know, have fun. 
Um, yeah. So I have a lit nerd question for you for thinking yay. about these four episodes on a whole. I'm having trouble classifying the first one because I tend to see Calypso is the mythological episode on multiple sure. levels. We have origin story for Saru, and this was just straight up comedy for yeah. um, the escape artist. What would you say about the first one? How would you it's, encapsulate it's that one? It's not good. That's uh, I would call it fan fiction. That. It's it feels like fan fiction. It does. It feels a little bit. Yeah, it feels like. Like it almost actually feels like they avoided doing anything deeper with it. Like we don't ever see Tilly's mom's face, Um, you know, like, but it felt like it should have been a reveal to something. It felt like we should have, it felt like we should have had a deeper, you know, emotional introspection Mm -hmm. to Tilly. And again, this is nothing that Mary Wiseman did. Um, I I really think she gave it what she could. She's still funny in it. She's good in it. But like uh, it, it it felt like fan fiction in that way. It actually felt like they said, you can't affect anything, don't. Yeah. And then we move on to the rest of it. Um, it's a it's almost even a... It's cliched even. I mean, the more I think about it, honestly, the more I get irritated with it because it, it even has a, a an unbelievable wrap-up, right? Like, yeah. they talk about how far away they are from her star system um, and all this other stuff, and then they beam back suddenly without Tilly ever having told anybody about this person. She's also an ensign in um, in the transporter room using it by herself. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know I'm getting away from lit stuff and into nerd stuff, but it's like... I don't even know – it is almost fan fiction-y. I don't even – I kind of don't know what to say about it in terms of it just did not work. Yeah. It just didn't work. Okay. Well, I mean that's um, that's still an answer. Yeah. Well, I wonder let's, – let's, let me throw this back at you. Are they – do you think that they're trying to tie them – is there a thematic tie between them all? Um, and maybe even something that can tie into – we haven't seen season two yet, but something that can tie into season two? Um, if there is a thematic tie, I haven't spotted it. I have been looking yeah. at it as literally these are lab experiments and these are the four that right. made it out of the lab for the public to see. And yeah. perhaps how these play to the public may impact either future shows or future episodes or, you know, characters yeah. or whatever. But These were experiments. Yeah, right. that's a good point. Right. So do, do you want to see more of these in between season oh, two and three? I do. And, and frankly... Like, again, if they're making us subscribe uh, yes. to, to this, you know, and, and I will. And I, I was the sucker that didn't de- unsubscribe. I I, um, I dialed down from commercial free, to, you know, so I'd save myself, what, what is it, three bucks or two bucks or whatever. Um, but I, I stupidly didn't unsubscribe for the, for the four months where I never opened that app. Or not four months, like five, six months. Oh, it feels like six months. I don't know if, it, if that is. But a long time where I didn't open up the app. Um, and But I didn't regret these at all mm-hmm. um and I, and I wonder will will short track will short tracks eventually even transcend discovery um you know and will we get will we get short lower decks you know or or short, short Picard once we have four shows when we will have a year we will have the four quarters of the year covered mm-hmm. you know will we will we need them you right. know, things like that. So I just I have to know. tell you that when you said short Picards, I was picturing a Honey, I Shrunk the Kids <laughs> style Picard episode, which yeah. was really great. Excellent holodeck episode. Somebody make that. I was going to say we have a short EMH episode, but I don't know if we've ever had a short Picard episode. We have had a short Picard episode. Uh, Rascals. Yep. In season, I think, six or seven where he where he gets uh, he gets kidified. They, right. 
devolved or yes. yeah, whatever. Short, uh, short Freaky Picard. Friday. We already had that. Sort of. Yes, almost Freaky Friday. Yeah. One half of it. Yeah. Anyway. Oh, can I can I tell you how excited on my whole rewatch? How excited I am to get into Next Generation. Like, mm. I'm. I'm jonesing like I, I it's it's actually and I because I got to get through the I'm doing a I'm doing classic rewatch right I'm going through everything until you watch Encounter at Farpoint which by the way another comedic moment sorry Chris you're getting yeah. tired of this I'm sure I wanted Spock's, he's gonna cut all this out <laughs> I want Spock's first episode <coughs> in Discovery to be um Encounter at Earpoint oh my gosh I right just a little typo. I like it. Absolutely. I'm so there. we're like calling back to the first Next Generation <laughs> episode, but we get the, the Vulcan ear joke. Oh. Okay. I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> well, as we move into to Star Trek uh, Discovery Season 2, um, I am excited for what they're saying about it. It does the previews look phenomenal. Um, they they are talking about, you know, exploring science and philosophy in this one, not war, which I'm psyched. I yeah. like that we had a, a warish season. I actually wanted more war in the season, um, kind of a la, you know, Deep Space Nine, the final couple seasons. Mm. Um, but, like, if they're going to do war, like, let's just do war. Um, but... Uh, Pike seems more I'm traditional sh- captain, and so I'm wondering does. if this will be the season where the the fans who are uncertain or who haven't jumped yeah. on board yet, that this might be the season that actually captures them. Right? Yeah. I mean, so so this Pike, as it seems he's going to be in there for all 14 episodes, he's going to have played Pike more than any of the others, much like um, Maureen Wilson has. So, um, yeah, I think he's going to be our first Kirk-like captain that we've had. It'll also be telling because um, Michael Burnham, her relationship to Georgiou is super important in the first season. And then she winds mm. up working for Lorca and there's so much underhanded going on there so much she's using her for etc and so if pike winds up being a more traditional captain yeah how does that change yeah arc? i wonder i really wonder because we did sort of think we might get that from Lorca at first right. um you know and then very quickly realized he was not going to be that yeah. um and yeah it's going to be interesting to see and are they going to lock themselves in with references? You know, we're going to get number one. We're going to get Re- Rebecca Romaine playing number one. Yes. Um, even down to, I guess we have the questions, is is the Enterprise going to be there mm. the entire time? Is it just the first episode? You know, um, it seems like Spock is not on the Enterprise, yeah. uh, by the way. It seems like he is being called in um, for the umpteenth time. And yeah, so I'm, I'm, I'm really excited. We don't want to get too much into Spock because that's, that's our next episode, but I'm, I'm, pretty excited with what i with what i see so yeah absolutely same here um uh my pessimism before the first season of discovery aired with what were they going to do how they're going to do it because it yeah. seems so different um i've accepted a lot of the differences and so i'm yeah. excited to see where this goes i i really have two and and that they they never they didn't conflict with canon. You know, they, they really, there are some issues and some of those I, I've worked out at least in my own head canon, you know, like this is a visual reboot of everything, yes. you know, um, where, 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 so Spock has a beard. Fine. You know, whatever. I, that's, it's a beard. Um, like we've, and frankly, everybody freaked out about in one of the trailers, Spock smiles, Spock smiles in the first episode, not to mention like three or four other times throughout the original series. So yes, hush, for a minute, you know, like, and, and just let, let this happen. Um, because right. They had, they did with that first season. They, 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 you know, they gave me good, good reason to have faith in what they're going to do. So. Yep. Well, stay tuned. Y'all will be here talking about it as soon as it begins airing. 
That's right. So Star Trek uh, Discovery Season 2 uh, airs January 17th, which is a Thursday. I think we're probably going to keep our, our traditional uh, times of release just because it does work for all of our own schedules. So um, we're going to hope for them to come out Monday or Tuesday the following week. Like I said, the next time we record, which we're hoping is very soon, uh, is going to be, uh, we're going to be talking about Spock. So, um, as you listen to this, um, and as we'll, we'll push it on Twitter as well, uh, at the next truck on Twitter, tell us what your favorite Spock moments are. Um, or, and, and again, you can define that however you want best Spock moments, most memorable, or just that one moment that makes you laugh or cringe or whatever every single time. But let us know what, what is, um, you know, the best Spock moment for you. And, uh, and maybe if we will be able to, to feature it on the episode, but uh, in, in the meantime, that's all for us, I think. Live long and prosper, everybody. 